Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Yes, yes, yeah. Give God a, a hand of praise. We're glad that you're here this morning. I want to welcome all those who are with us and all of those who are watching online in the 715 area code. Glad that you have connected with Thrive Church this morning. And if you're new here and you want to know what kind of church this is, I will tell you this. We are a spirit-led, we're a mission-driven, people-loving, servant-hearted, growth-minded church that is leading people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. And that's who we are, and that's what we're all about. And uh, we're, we're excited that you're here this morning. I want to welcome my friend Hannah from Channel 7 News. Maybe you saw Hannah in the back. She's with us this morning, and, uh, and she's just doing it. She heard about this little uh, thing that we're going on here, One Day to Feed the World, and so she wanted to come and, and just find out a little bit more about that. So uh, we're glad that you're here with us, Hannah. And I want to encourage you to follow along in your sermon notes this morning. We're going to get right into our message this morning. We have a, a lot that, that, that's going to happen this morning. But I just want to say this. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I love this time of year. I love the food. I love the food and all the people said. Yes, 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 yes. Picked up our turkey yesterday, and I will be in charge of cooking our turkey in, in our smoker and I just, last year I knocked it out of the park, and this year I plan to do the same thing again. Uh, we will not have enough for you, so I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, I, I, when you think about Thanksgiving, you think about the first Thanksgiving that happened in October 1621, just a year before all these pilgrims had arrived to come to the new world. And through that year, the harsh winter and everything that, that, that happened, starvation, disease, sickness, only a half the people made it. That, that year, they decided they had a harvest that summer. And in the fall, they said, we need to celebrate. We need to stop. Sometimes you just need to stop. And you need to give God thanks. And that's what they did. They said, we, we went through a lot of hard trials, but we are here and we are alive. And we're going to stop and we're going to give God thanks for what he has done. And so that's what we've been talking about in this sermon series called Thanks giving. And we're talking about living a life of gratitude. You know, I read a, a USA Today article, and it said that six out of 10, six out of 60% of Americans do not, during the holiday season, they do not take time to express their gratefulness for the season, for what God has done. You know, I just wonder, we, we, we're going through a season of, of post-pandemic, and you hear a lot of people who are just going through discouragement, depression, and, and I just wonder, I just wonder if, if this could be a contributor, if this contributes to why people are, are going through some of the emotional and mental struggles that they're going through. You know, researchers have discovered that those who do live a life of gratitude live healthier and longer lives. These people, it's been proven that it affects people in a positive way mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And so that's why we've been spending time talking about this scripture verse in Romans 12, verse 1, where the apostle Paul says this. He's, he's talking to the, this young church, and, and I just want you to imagine I, I, that, that Paul's speaking to you today. And he says, listen, listen, when it comes to gratitude, and we're going to give praise to God, we're going to give God thanks for all he has done. How about this idea? He says, I plead with you to give your bodies. In other words, to give your life. What if, if we wanted to express praise to God, what if we would just give him our life? 
And why would we do something like this? Well, well, because of all that he has done for you. What has God done for you this past year? What has he done? What has he brought you through? What is he bringing you through right now? When was the last time you gave God thanks for your salvation, for the eternal hope that you have in Christ Jesus, from, from the person that you were and the transformation that took place in your life? When was the last time you give praise to God? Thank, praise God for all he has done for you and then let your life be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he would find acceptable. I talked about this here before in the Old Testament times, uh, they would take an offering. They would, anytime that God just did a, an incredible redemptive work, they would stop. They would stop and they, and they would have a celebration. And each person where, where God had affected, they would come and they would bring a sacrifice, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And they called it tudah, a tudah offering that they would give to the Lord. And they would, they would bring to the priest, a, a, they would bring their best. Listen to me, whenever you give something to God, you want it to be your best, the best and the most prized. And they would bring that to the Lord and give it to him in appreciation for what he has done. And so Paul says, what if we were to just, instead of give God something that's dead and not alive, what if we were to give him a living sacrifice? What if we were to give God our lives as a praise offering to him? What if we just made every day? What would happen? How would your life change? Your mindset, your heart, how would your, your life change if you lived out each and every day giving God a tuda offering? Here's the big idea. Your gratitude is demonstrated in your give. Does that make sense to you? We, we give gratitude to God and, the, and it, we can say it, but the best thing to do is to give it, to give God praise and to give back to him for what he has done to you. And so as we enter into the holiday season, it, it, we enter into Christmas here in just a few days. Where, and, and by the way, it really is, there is an ordinance. I don't know if you know this. There is a countywide ordinance that you are not allowed to play Christmas music until after the Thanksgiving dinner. And I, that's just a side note there. That's just information for you to know. But when that moment happens and the meal is complete, the pumpkin pie has been eaten, now Christmas music is allowed to be played. And if, but if, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in the busyness and the chaos of Christmas, and we forget about what all the season is, season is all about. And if we're not careful, we can lose that attitude of gratitude that we talked about here a few weeks ago. In fact, the, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, he, he challenges us by saying, he says, let your conduct be without covetousness. In other words, without greed. Be content, have gratitude with such things as you have. Covetousness is it's kind of that in, in, inquenchable desire to find fulfillment, meaning, and purpose in, staying, in things rather than finding it in God. You ever been in that place? Have you ever been in that place? If I, if I just had that one thing, and why is it that, that so-and-so has that one thing and I do not? You just have this desire to have what other people have and you do not. And all of a sudden, we know, we just looking at society, it becomes a slippery slope. You know, I, I just got this little news blurb here before the service. There was, 
80 masked people went into this store, Nordstrom in some place in California, and just raided the store last night. Because they maybe they, they, they say, hey, I want these things. And, I, and so they, yeah. And, and it becomes a slippery slope when we have a culture of greed. In fact, the most popular, one of the most popular Christmas stories, maybe you've seen the movie, maybe you've watched the show, you saw a play on it, Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge had so much, but he just lived his life in greed, keeping it all for himself. And, he, and he, not only that, but he coveted more. And we know the story of Scrooge that one night he had a dream and he was visited by a ghost of his former business partner, Jacob Marley. And Jacob Marley, he warned him of the dangers of living the life of greed. And remember the story, kind of the whole moral of the story. So he, he woke up and he changed. His heart was changed. And all of a sudden, he started to live a life of gratitude, not only a life of gratitude, but he lived a life of generosity. So here's the problem. Here's what I think the problem is for many of us. Our greed, listen to me, your greed, our greed is the enemy of gratitude. If we want to know what gets in the way of us being grateful, I think we can look at what is it? Is it something that I am coveting, something that I'm greedy about? You know, as we, again, we enter into the Christmas season, we are bombarded with advertisements. I get them in the mail. We watch them on our TV shows like, oh, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And as they have these commercials and they're commercials for stuff, stuff that you need to have, stuff that these people have and you don't. And you can be just like these people if you would go out to the store and get this stuff, right? And all of a sudden it gets planted in our minds. And let's just be real. When we're looking through those advertisements, yeah, we're looking for the Christmas presents for others, but we're kind of looking for a little bit something for ourselves. Does that happen? Am I the only one who's confessed? I don't think I'm the only one here. And so I just believe that if greed is the enemy of gratitude, then giving must be the cure for greed. Let me say that one more time. I believe that if greed is the enemy of gratitude, well, then giving must be the cure for greed. Do you realize how blessed you have been? How blessed you are? How blessed you are to give? Your generosity is a way of worship to God. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 11. The apostle Paul says, you will be made rich. In other words, you will be blessed. How many of you are interested right now, right now at the beginning of this verse? You will be rich. I'm interested. Tell me more. You will be rich in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You have been blessed to be generous. You've been blessed so that you can be, just as God has been blessed you and generous with you, God has been generous with you so that you can be generous with others. That word generous, here's my definition of generous. Generous people give above and beyond from the heart. Above and beyond, just write, I underline that, above and beyond from the heart. So when you give generously, not only does it impact the people's lives around you, 
but, it, but people recognize God in your giving. People recognize the God in you. Have you again, have you ever realized how blessed you are? I was reading uh, a research on this here a few years ago. How blessed we are here in the United States compared to the rest of the world. Let me, let me read this to you. If you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof overhead, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, and spare change in a dish somewhere, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthiest. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million who will not survive this week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are ahead of, the, of 500 million people in the world. If you can attend a church meeting without the fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are more blessed than 3 billion people in the world. I'm telling you, we are blessed. We are blessed and, and, and God's word tells us this, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, that, that's, many of us have heard that scripture passage before. Even if you're here today and, and you're not a person of faith, you've heard that. And there's something inside of you that really believes that. It truly is. How many of you have discovered that before in your life? That it truly is more blessed to give than it is to receive and that's why I believe our gratitude is best displayed in our gifts. So this morning, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about giving. And I want to talk about the four kinds of giving that are discussed in the Bible. Are you ready for this? The four kinds of giving. We're talking about giving of our, of our resources, our possessions, our finances. And the first giving that I would talk to you about this morning comes from the word of God is our first fruits giving. And I'm talking about the topic of tithing. First fruits back in those days, God would call for people back in those days to give the first and the best. So if they were have this, this great harvest that they had, had just piled up from their fields, their grapes or whatever, then they were to take the best, the very best. They were to look through it all and find the very best and say, aha, this is the best. When they take that best and they would come and they would give it to God. That's a first fruit offering. And that's, that's the same with our tithe. As a, as a tithe, let me read this passage for you. Malachi 3.10, this is the prophet speaking, God speaking to us through the prophet. And, and God says to us, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out, out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And I like this comment, try it. Put me to the test. You see, back in those days, this, this was not a big deal. Everyone understood the principle of this, this principle. Everybody understood that everything I own, everything that I possess, and it wasn't a big deal. Everything that I have in this life, it's not mine. It's God's. 
Everything that is given to me, all the blessings of my harvest and of my flocks and of my wealth and of my possession, of my health, my family, everything, it's God's. And God, and in his generosity, he gives it to me. And he says, I got a job for you. I want you to be a steward. You know what a steward is? A steward is somebody who takes somebody else's possessions out of, you know, the person gave it to them, and they take care of it. They take care of it. And so everybody, they understood that. They understood that, that and again, all of this belongs to God. And so what happens is, is on, when, when they would gather up their harvest, gather up all that God had given to them, take their best and give it to God as a tithe. They believed back in those days to withhold a tithe from God. Honestly, they believe this, that is theft. To just say, no, 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 no. That's, that's mine. That's mine. They looked at that as theft. The first fruits offering, first fruits offering. Instead, they believed that God would do more with their 90% than what we could do with the 100%. Did I, did I say that right? Did, it, did I, okay. All you guys who are doing the math, they honestly believe it would be foolish not to give back to God, that God would do way more with the 90% than what we could do with the 100%. The principle of tithing principle of tithing. And I want you to know we practice this. We practice this principle today. <laughs> and some people, uh, the big, I think the biggest question that people have, have to wrestle with when it comes to tithing is this. Here's the biggest question. You want to write this question down. Whose is it anyways? That's the biggest question that each and every one of you, when we look at this issue of tithing, we all have to answer that question. So if it's all yours, well then, yeah, I can see why you would struggle with it. I would struggle with it. Like, well, but it's mine. I get to do with it what I want. But if you really believed, as they did in the Old Testament, that it's really God's, well, now that's between you and God. Because again, if it's all God's, then you're a steward and it's not yours. And you need to be obedient to what he says. Am I, am I making sense this morning? Does that make sense? So when we tithe, we are reminded that God is our provider and that all of our resources belong to him. So let's face it. So I, I, I've had some people say, pastor, tithing and finances has got to be the most difficult thing for a pastor to talk about. Yeah. How, many of you, how many of you would agree to that? Yeah, yeah. But when you, when you understand that it's not all you, it's all yours, it's God, it makes it a little bit easier. And you, you, you know why I think it's hard for people to maybe receive it? How, how many of you have one of these? How, how many of you have one of these this morning? Can, can you just kind of pull it out if you can, if it's just in your back pocket? It's, it's not a big deal. But let's just face it. This is my wallet. If we are honest, if we were honest and we were just kind of put it all together, if God had a competitor, in, in other words, a competitor, the, the one who has the most of the desire, the, the affections of our lives, the thing that we're pursuing, the things that we're chasing, if I just had more. If God had a competitor, it just might be the contents that's in this wallet. 
if, if I'm honest. And I, and I think if you're honest too, because, because people, we, we get measured by it, by how much we have in this. We depend on it for our livelihood and how we live. If we have a lot, well, then we could live a little bit more like this. If we don't have much, well, then we got to skip that. So it really all depends on that. We want more of it. Is there anybody who would, if I was just to pull some out today, you would just get started getting in line like, yeah, I'll take more of it. Yeah, we, we want more of it. We want more of it. And we're happy when we get more. And, and there's some people, they will sacrifice so much. They sacrifice their time and their energy. They'll take time away from the thing that, that means the most to them, their family, so that they can get more and obtain more of it. So again, that this thing can become God's biggest competitor. But I want you to know this morning, if you get anything out of this message this morning, get this, when it comes to tithing, God doesn't want your money. The church doesn't want your money. God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart. And if we're not careful, our hearts can be wrapped up into this and not into him. Does that make sense? How do I know? (laughs) Because I've been there. And every once in a while, I'm tempted to go back. My heart, God wants your heart. Why is your tithe so important? Quickly here, your tithe is an act of worship. When you tithe, you are, you're saying, listen, I'm giving my best to God. I'm giving my first and my best. Your tithe, if you believe in the principle of tithing, it should be the first thing that you do with your finances each week, every other week, or whenever you get paid. It should be the first thing. Okay, and it's and then when you do that, when you so when you write out or you or you give, it's not a and it's something I have to do. It's not like paying one of the bills. It's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. And what it does, it reminds us that all of my resources belong to Him, and God provides me with with this much that He lets me keep. That's not a bad deal. But it puts my priorities in order. Second of all, it's ministry fuel, and I don't know if a lot of people know this or not. I don't, I, a lot of people, I, sometimes I talk to and, and you talk to them about, uh, you know, how, how does this church get run? How, these lights we have, you know, why are the lights so low? Well, the ties have been low. And I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> how, how does the heat come in the building? We, we got a youth director. How, we, we, we got a, a ministry administrator. How, how, we got a pastor. How how does that work? Well, it, it happens. It, it goes into the storehouse and that supplies the church. It is tithing impacts the ministry effectiveness. And there's a lot of churches today that are struggling because there's not resources for ministry effectiveness. Let me continue here. What tithing does is it opens the door for God's blessings. Did you catch that part in the Bible? God says, test me on this. Just, just test me. And if it doesn't work, and bail out. But, but God promises his blessings. I, in fact, I remember uh, when I was growing up, my dad was always concerned about this and making sure, just reminding me that I may, because, and why? Because my dad didn't want me to miss out on the blessings of God. I learned about this principle when I was younger, and I'll be honest with you, I gave reluctantly, but then when I grasped what it truly meant, I realized, wait a second, I don't want to miss out 
on the blessings of God. And when I'm talking about blessings of God, it doesn't mean like God's gonna give me a whole bunch more of this. Maybe he does, I don't know. But I, I, I'll, take, I'll take God's blessings over man's provision any day. I will, I'll take the health that he has for me. I'll take the clear conscience any day. I'll take the blessings of God. Number four, it develops a generous heart. You see, when we tithe, what it does, it breaks the stronghold that money and things can have on our heart. Develops a generous heart. So when you begin to tithe as an act of worship, you will begin to notice how generosity begins to flow from your life. Number five, it strengthens your faith. Because then you really quote your face with the question, do I really, what do I really believe? Will God really take care of me for less? Is this, to, to be 90%, is that really more than this? And that really takes a step of faith, takes a step of faith. I like this with John D. Rockefeller, if you've ever heard of him before, a multimillionaire. He said this, I like this idea. He says, I never would have been able to tie the first million dollars I made if I, if I ever made, if I had not tied my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. I wouldn't have been able to do it. So what he was saying is, I recognize that just a young man, at just making $1.50 a week, I realized the blessings it brought onto my life. And it made it a lot easier when I made my first million to give the first $100,000. God says, put me to the test, put me to the test. So we talk about first fruits giving, all right? We're gonna move right along here. I'm gonna talk about the second kind of giving. It's called generous giving. So Paul refers to a church that exceeded giving. They understood generous giving. He says here, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. Remember, remember the definition of generosity? To give above and beyond. And they did it of their own free will. No manipulation, no gimmicks, no tricks, no like, you know, condemnation or guilt trips, none of that. They gave of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They won. Tell us, what can we do? What can we give to? They even did more than we had, had hoped. And their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Generosity. How many of you love, how many of you have been a recipient of generosity before? Raise your hand. Somebody came to you and they didn't have to and they gave to you above and beyond. You never saw it coming. You're like, oh my word. Thank you. Thank you. Didn't it feel good? And I think that's what this church learned. How good it makes you, uh, makes you feel when I can give to you. Man, I want that. I live that for my life. They believe that their giving was making a difference, not just for how they felt, but it was making a difference for the kingdom of God. They understood that God doesn't bless you so you, that you can be greedy, but he blesses you so that you can be generous. When you give, God gives right back to you so you can give more and give more away. And when you let go of what's in your hand, it's not, it's not empty to receive greater blessings from God. M Michelle's dad, I love M Michelle's parents. 
And he is one of the most generous people. They, they are the, some of the most generous people that, that I know. And when they see a need, there's a check that is being written. And they don't want, to, they don't want anybody to know. But they'll just give it. Hey, I talked to him about finances years ago. And he says, I, I gave up on loaning people money. I don't loan people anymore. I don't loan people things. And he's got, he's got, if you need a drill, if anybody here needs a drill, I can get you a drill, okay? <laughs> I know a guy who's got a drill. <laughs> and he just, I said, I guess I gave up on that because then, then they owed me and da-da-da-da. They wouldn't give it. I said, I just, I've just found the joy in just giving it to them. Somebody's like, hey, Byron, you got, you got a drill? Yeah. And just, I'll get it back to you. No, 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 just keep it. Writing out a check, he finds out a need, just writing out a check. Don't let anybody know. I love that. I love that. Right, so we're talking, about, we're talking about that kind of gifting. The third kind of gifted is re-gifted giving, re-gifted. Some of you are pretty good at that. You, you received a gift last year at Christmas time, and you didn't really undo the package so that you can re-give it this year. Okay, I'm on to you. That's not what I'm talking about here. Deuteronomy 16, 17 says, all must give as they are able according to the blessings given to them by the Lord your God. What? Are you saying that God is a re-gifter? Can I, can I read that one more time? All of us must give as we are able according to the blessings that God has given to us by the Lord. So, so God has given us, then as we give to this to the Lord, he's given us so much more so that we can be a blessing to others. God has given us so that we can re-gift to others. And once again, the principle of giving out that God has given to us. I, I saw this video here and then I just think it illustrates it so much. If you're online, I hope you don't get disconnected from us as we show this video, but I think that this video talks about this to the degree. So it's gonna take care of it. Go ahead. A few weeks ago, Steve Hartman introduced us to a young boy who found a $20 bill, converted it to a currency called kindness, and invested it with a stranger. Well, that investment has had quite a return. Here's Steve on the road. Nine-year-old Miles Eckert may be America's most reluctant celebrity. It was never his intention to be honored at civic events or posed for pictures. But for the last month, this has been his world. Thank you so much. Things are not so normal right now. We're on the right of our lives. <laughs> Tiffany is Miles' mom. I mean, I've seen stuff go viral, but usually it's like a picture of a cat, not my son. It's the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. If you missed the story that started it all, Miles' adventure began here, at a Cracker Barrel in Maumee, Ohio. As the security camera shows, Miles and his family entered the restaurant on February 7th at 11.14. Miles was very excited. He just found a $20 bill in the parking lot. Just sitting there? Yeah. Did you start thinking of what you could spend it on? I kind of wanted to get a video game, but then I decided not to. He changed his mind when he saw a guy in a military uniform enter the restaurant. Because he was a soldier, and soldiers remind me of my dad. And so, with his dad in mind, Miles wrapped the 20 in a note that read, Dear Soldier, my dad was a soldier. He's in heaven now. I found this $20 in the parking lot when we got here. We like to pay it forward in my family. 
It's your lucky day. Thank you for your service. Signed, Miles Eckert, a Gold Star Kid. Army Sergeant Andy Eckert was killed in Iraq just five weeks after Miles was born. All the kid has ever had are pictures and dog tags. This is his wedding ring. Other people's memories and his own imagination. I imagined him as a really nice person and somebody that would be really fun. <laughs> the dad he imagines must also love a good story. Because after lunch oh, that day, boy. Miles asked his mom to make one more stop. Excellent. He wanted to go see his dad. Hmm. And he wanted to go by himself that day. She took this picture from the car. Follow the footsteps and you'll see Miles standing there behind the flag. Presumably telling his dad all about it. And whether heaven heard him or not, his good deed has made a huge impression here on earth. You've read it more than once? I look at it every day. Lieutenant Colonel Frank Daly of the Air National Guard is the one who got the note. Kid gave you a bigger gift than $20. Uh, a lifetime uh, uh, direction, for sure. Lieutenant Colonel Daly paid it forward by giving away the money. And that 20 has been multiplying ever since. It's exponential. It's extraordinary. It's amazing. After our story aired, a lot of people wanted to give Miles his $20 back. Right. But instead of taking any money, Ready? the Eckerts directed those donations to Snowball Express, a charity that helps kids who've lost a parent to war. So far, donations total more than a quarter of a million dollars. Somebody would be very proud. Steve Hartman, On the Road, near Toledo, Ohio. And that's the CBS Evening News for tonight. For all of us at CBS News all around the world, I'm Scott Pelley in Rome. I'll see you Sunday on 60 Minutes. Good night. Boy, if that doesn't get you. Wow. Regifted giving. All must give as they are able, according to the blessings that have been given to them by the Lord your God. Boy, what if, what, if, what if we all had mindset? I think if anybody should have that kind of mindset is the, the church, the body of Christ. Let me continue on with the last one, right? The four kinds of giving. Fourth one is a right attitude giving, right attitude giving. So in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul tells us to make sure to give with the right attitude because let's, let's just be real. Sometimes this is not easy. Sometimes not only this, but this and this. Oh man, now we need to talk. <laughs> not always easy, right? But Paul tells us this. He says, listen, it's, it's, it's between you and the Lord. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. But whatever you do, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Can I just see everybody smile right now? Right now, yeah. Hannah is videoing all of you. Just everybody look at Hannah and smile right now. Yes, <laughs> cheerful givers. We have a room full of cheerful givers. And God, listen to me, and then God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over 
and plenty left over and plenty left over to share with others. Wow. The power of giving. So how do you give? With a, how do you give with the right attitude? First of all, I would tell you this. If I was to give you some pastoral advice, I would say this. Make this. Don't make it about us. Don't make it about you and your pastor. Don't make it about you and the church. This is about you and God. This really is none of my business. I don't want to know. I don't need to know. It's between you and God. Your giving is between you and God. All I would tell you, and based on what Paul is telling me, is that when you feel a tug, when you feel a tug and, and, you, and you see something and you see a need and you feel like somebody should do something about that. Well, if God is, if you get that on your heart, then that's probably you should do something about that. You should kind of respond. And then, and then I would tell you this, you know what? If you feel that tug, then you go to God and you talk to him about that. Again, this, this is about you and God. Tithing, that's about you. It's between you and God. Then I would, you talk to him about that. And then I would tell you this. I know sometimes this, this is a step of faith. And I would say, trust your gut. Trust your gut. Your gut. If you prayed about it, you talked to God about it, and you're just like, man, something's got to happen. And God says, I want you to, I want you to step forward. Trust your gut and trust God. If your attitude and your motive is wrong, I would tell you this, adjust it, change your attitude. And then when you give, when you are at that place and you're giving your tithe, you're giving an offering, you're giving a gift, do it cheerfully. Nobody likes a begrudging giver. You know what a begrudging giver is? You give this something to them and they grab it and you're like... <laughs> don't be that person. Let, let me ask you this. Do you want God to be that with you? Don't do that. Give joyfully. Everybody, right? All right let me see your smiles. All right, give joyfully. Look at your neighbor and say, give joyfully. Give joyfully. Again, why is this all a big deal? Why, of all the things to talk about, why are we talking about this? Do you realize how much of the Bible talks about finances, money and possessions? Money and possessions, I don't know if you know this, but it is the second most referenced topic in the Bible. Maybe I, I go back to my illustration before, maybe this really is true. Maybe this really is God's biggest competitor. Do you know it's mentioned more than 800 times? Do you realize there are 2,300 verses in the Bible that deal with finances and possessions? Do you realize Jesus, he, remember we, we did a series on parables and Jesus would talk, to, he, would, he would tell a story. Remember that? We did a series, we talked about all these different stories. Well, well there's 40, 40 stories 40 parables in the Bible, do you realize that 11 of those 40, it's about a quarter there, deal with the topic of money and possessions. And I would say this, and just maybe, just maybe it really is. The reason why it's so important is because it's a condition of the heart. Condition of the heart. Listen to what Jesus says here in Matthew 6, 21. 
Wherever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And so, so, so when we look at all that we think that we have is really God, we have to check our heart. Check your heart. If you hear anything that I say out of this message today, if some of you are asleep, just bump somebody on the shoulder so you need to hear this, okay? I'm giving you that chance right now. God doesn't need your treasure. He's God. He created it all. It's all his. You know what God wants? You know, God, the thing that God desires for the most, God desires your heart. And he just knows in our sin nature, the temptation within us is for us to fill our lives with this, to fill our hearts with this and not fill our hearts with him. And so if your struggle is to hang on to all of this here this morning, and, and, and I would just ask you, how's that working out for you? Has it brought you the happiness that you're looking for? If, if, if that's so, then man, that, that's good for you. But if you're here today and you have it all and you want some more and it's just not making you happy, maybe the thing you need to do is you need to, to let it go. I like John Wesley's advice here. This is great advice. He says, I want you to go out. I, this is my advice for you. Go out and make as much as you can. And then I want you to take it and save as much as you can. Why? So that you can give as much as you can. I think that's some great advice right there. Here at Thrive Church, I'm almost finished here. We, there are three primarily giving, three opportunities that we give here for you to give to Thrive Church. Here's, here's my encouragement. As your pastor, here's my encouragement to you. Again, but this is between you and God. I would encourage you to do, when you, when you talk about giving of resources, I would tell you, if anything, if anything, make sure you don't neglect your tithe. Don't neglect it. Again, this is between you and God, but I'm telling you, make this your number one priority. But I, I want you to know this. This is separate than the next one that I'm going to talk about. This is, this is a second one. Whatever you do, don't neglect this. The second thing is that, that we give to missions. Or the, the third one is a special offering. So we give to missions around the world. So when we have missionaries, we, we, we encourage each and every person, hey, we want you to give your tithe. Here's an opportunity to worship God with your tithe, but we want to encourage you to give an extra offering to serve with that missionary, to help that missionary in his mission. Or we do this, we take a special offering. So uh, we took, many of you might not know it, but we just had new flooring put in here and we're gonna have new, a new stage here. This is not the look that we're looking for right here, all right? We're almost done here. But many of you gave above and beyond so that that could be taken care of. We have been talking here the past few weeks about an opportunity that we have to make a difference in this world through the ministry of Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is a world relief organization. There's many world relief organizations, and this is a Christ-centered world relief organization. It has one of the top standings in the world for their world relief. In other words, what I'm saying is very little of, the, of what people give to them goes to the overhead of the ministry. Most of what is given to them goes right into that ministry. 
They have put out a challenge for churches called the one day to feed the world. One day to feed the world. And we've been talking to you and we've been saying here the past few weeks, will you pray about this? And we're gonna take an offering. We're gonna come to the end of this and we're gonna come to the, uh, and we're gonna take an offering. And by the way, uh, a few years ago, about 10 years ago, I was able to go to the country of Haiti just a year or so after an earthquake and see this happen, this World Relief Organization. And I went into the schools as they fed the children because the schools are not organized like they are here. You don't have to go to school, you know? But one of the things that they would do is like, hey, they got the word out to the communities. If you come to school, children, we will feed you. And they came and they come, and I got, to, I got to serve children as they went to school. But not only did they get food, not only were they able to be fed, but they learned about Jesus. And they learned, they had knowledge that with the hope of one day, one day they can rise up and work themselves out of, this, of the circumstances that they lived in. So again, this initiative they gave, I had a friend who gave me these statistics. They said this, 5.2 million children under the age of five will die this year because of malnutrition and lack of clean drinking water. That comes out to 14,200 children every single day. That's, that's nearly 10 kids every single minute. As for as little as $10, we have the ability to feed one child for one month. Let that stick in, Let that stick in your mind. For $10, you have the ability to feed a child in a third world country for one month. Literally, your one day offering that we have been talking about here in these past few weeks has the ability to transform someone's every day. And so this morning, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, so I've wanted you to take time and pray about that. We are gonna take that offering. And I, I love their slogan. They said, no, no one person can do everything, but everyone can do something. I'm gonna ask the worship team if you would come up on the platform today. If you have received this envelope, it should have been in your post. Again, this is between you and the Lord. I'm just giving you an opportunity to respond and make a difference to the world, okay? This morning, if you would open up your envelope, you would see, hey, this is, this is my yearly wages. And it's a suggested, suggested gift. Again, 100% of this will go to that mission, will go towards Convoy of Hope, towards feeding a child. If you would like to give online, you can go to our website at thrive715.com and go to the give section. But I ask you to take that challenge this morning. One day of your wages can transform the destiny of a child's life. So this morning, we're gonna go old school, okay? I don't do this often. I don't do anything like this, but I just think this is an opportunity for us to celebrate giving. And in just a moment here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask the worship team to play for us. I'm gonna ask everybody just a moment to, to, to take that envelope. If, if the Lord's leading you and fill that envelope out, I ask you then to stand.
And we're gonna worship God with that last song. That was a powerful song about gratitude. And during that song, I'm gonna just ask you, if you had that offering ready, that you would just come up and you just put it. Here's, here's our offering. Let's put it in this plate, this basket, and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to give. And remember, you don't give out of this. You give out of this. So, Lord, we pray this morning, right now, we thank you that you have blessed us to be a blessing. We thank you for this opportunity to make a difference into all the world, Father, with the resources you've given to us. We pray that, Lord, you did it before. We're asking that you do it again, that you would multiply it in Jesus' name. Multiply it, multiply it. Lives changed. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.